gentlemen, uh, yes. banks and ranks. Is it always banks and ranks, or is it sometimes ranks and banks? Always banks and ranks. <laughs> always banks and ranks because it's good to know that I'm, I'm banks, banks, he's ranks. ranks so, you know. <laughs> Was there ever a difficulty with the name knowing which order to put it in? Because it's such a clever catch name that no one can forget. But like if we go to the Beatles, for example, it always says Lennon McCartney. And then at a certain point, McCartney tried to make it McCartney Lennon. And you go, mm, doesn't have the ring to it. I mean, B, R, it's the alphabetical order, so keep it simple. Yeah. Well said. Well, congratulations on your new single that's coming out. A lot of people are talking about it, even though it's kind of embargoed information that's not coming out for a couple of days to the, everybody. When did you actually finish Balenciaga? So um, it's pretty recent. Though. Yeah, it's pretty recent. Um, I think a couple, like probably two months ago. Two months ago, but then it was already mastered. And then uh, it was our manager that came in. He's like, yo, can you do this last edit? I'm like, uh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the story behind this record is great because uh, it makes total sense for us to um, come back with this one because mm -hmm. we, we first met, we started this thing called ECM, which is Electronic Caribbean Music. So we found our common grounds mm -hmm. um, with this kind of music and it feels great to get back to it basically. Right. A lot of people learned about that genre of music through you two gentlemen right there. Did you know that you were onto something innovative when you started or did you get told no a lot and second guess it? Yeah, that's actually a funny story. We've heard um, from a huge manager of a huge artist, not going to name some names, but right. the guy straight up said, guys, Okay, I respect what you guys are doing, but this is never going to work. No one wants to listen to this, and you guys are going to go nowhere with this. Yeah. Exactly. So um, here we are a few years later, and um, I guess uh, the roots of electronic Caribbean music are here again. And it's really important for us as well, because uh, personally, I come from a Caribbean island, which is called Guadeloupe. I don't know if you know about it. Yes. My, my kids, yeah. my daughters are half Jamaican. So there's a lot of Caribbean influence just in our personal lives as well. Exactly. So it feels really good and natural for us to, you know, after all those a few pop things here and there, like to come back with this kind of music and uh, really excited about it. One of my favorite artists that you two collaborated with was Gorillaz. And that was pretty early into your success. Gorillaz, the brainchild of Damon Albarn from Blur. Excellent, excellent band. Do either of you have rock paths or did you just skip over the rock thing? Actually, we love rock music. We recently started getting into it a little bit, slowly but surely. Um, but for both of us, the Gorillas is high in our esteem. So it was an honor to, to get that opportunity. It was just sent to us um, through Miles Leonard uh, at the time at Parlophone Records in the UK. Um, and it was just like, we're, we're like, wow, shook. yeah, Have, having like Damon Albarn's uh, stems, vocal stems and our <laughs> yeah. laptops, we're like, wow, what's happening? Uh, we're going back like 2016, 2017, I think. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it was just so great to actually, you know, have Gorillaz making this record and with Popcorn. With Popcorn actually. on it, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we remixed two, we remixed this one and the one with Pusha T and Mavis Staples. Um, but the Popcorn one was the first one. And Popcorn is a huge Jamaican artist, and, yeah. and and that remix is definitely sitting in the ECM where you have the reggae, yeah. you have the trap in there, 
and we actually try to keep the original essence of gorillas but with our twist with which was a great challenge but like so yeah so pleasing actually yeah you just almost don't want to mess it up you're like this song is great and it's it's, it's a lot of pressure to be honest but but good pressure. that was fun yeah it's yeah, a good yeah, problem yeah. To have. Fun. <laughs> a sentence that was just said on your end of the conversation you just said and there was popcon and there was mavis staples on the gorillas track those three artists just on one particular thing yet lacey akara sean paul it really is hard to define what it is that you two do yet it always sounds like you oh thanks man that's a great compliment well we i guess we just do uh we, we just do us like we, we i don't know it's hard to explain the dna is well yeah we were really consciously working on developing our sonic identity i think that was really important for us mm -hmm. and that's where the ecm steps in where we always blend electronic music with organic acoustic sounds to create this perfect balance mm -hmm. of natural and artificial and analog and, and digital. And like Banks and Ranks is basically yin and yang and opposing forces uniting one plus one equals three, you know, creating something new out of two totally opposite things. And uh, yeah, that's probably what you guys are hearing, I guess, the DNA. So, uh, but yeah, definitely the Caribbean music in there and, and the way we tweak our sounds and, you know, the textures and everything. So, yeah. When, when it comes to crafting stuff, something I couldn't figure out about you too, is one of you more the top line person and one of you is more the track? We do everything, a bit of both. We do everything. I mean, we really work on our strengths and then that's how we balance each other out um yannick is really good to come up with top lines and he really worked hard to develop his skills on the, on the keys to to be quick with chord progressions i've been doing vocal production since i'm about 12 13 years old and over 20 years now huh? yeah 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 so i That's really bad. love doing that this is something not a, a lot, not every producer likes to do vocal productions because it's really takes a lot of time and you have to be really patient and yeah when I've, i have to do it is because i feel like i'm forced to do it uh <laughs> so it's always better when we work together uh so yeah i'm like yeah he loves to do it so <laughs> and i i love to do drums and bass lines and, yeah. and lyrics i come from a dancehall and, and hip-hop background as well so the rhyme schemes and the the multi-syllable rhymes and phonetics uh, i love that so we really really complement each other with the whole set of skills that need to be used in the studio and, and it's and way faster that way it's well. way faster exactly yeah. hmm. and this is another compliment here there's going to be no backhanded thing that's tagged onto it so your success reminds me of the Neptunes, you know, Pharrell and Chad. You wow. know. That's, in, that's the biggest compliment you can like say for real. Thank you so much. Not for real, Pharrell. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> it reminds me of them in that sometimes they're the featured artist and sometimes they're the production team behind it. And sometimes mm -hmm. they're the remix people. So where you are now, this new single that's coming out later this week, it's credited to you featuring the other artists. Was the plan all along to be the artist out front? Um, we never overthink it. I think we just focus on making the music and then it'll place itself. And the, the team around us will most of the time decide which song goes where, you know. Um, 
yeah, it's 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 always that balance where you're like like Soke said, we always bounce with the team and be like, okay, guys, we have this record, it could be great for us, but we can pitch it. We're never too attached to the songs because no. they don't belong to us. Like once you do the song, it doesn't belong to you anymore. If you yeah. really think about it, uh, it's all a creative process and it's out there. It's like frequencies, so we just let it do its thing and eventually, like yeah, Balenciaga became. Uh, yeah the next single because we we're like okay let's do it and the team everyone agreed that actually we had a whole strategy planned out and then this song came along and we're like all right scrap this we're going this way yeah especially with our live performances now picking up speed uh i think it's in, really in line with where, where we want to go exactly. for 2023 uh yeah and and as well in this whole like journey we started our own label 31 east uh with uh, artists like rev and press and pablo that are killing it at the moment we're both platinum right now yeah both platinum and <laughs> within a year and um and it's just been an incredible journey so we started this label and a joint venture with universal and so we have outlets there as well for to put out the songs so we're always not always thinking about like you know the actual song the day we make it but then we're like yeah wherever it goes um hmm. it will find a home so yeah with artists who do what you do, and by that I mean primarily write for other artists, but also do your own thing, I find that most of them, it goes two ways. One, they're creating like every day or every week something new, and there's this big archive of unreleased stuff. And then there's others who just go track to track to track to track. Like somebody once told me that Dr. Luke had only written like 25 songs literally at that point in time that like, and each song had been cut and placed. And that was that in your case, is there an archive of stuff that it, so that if somebody goes, we want a song, you can go, here you go. Okay. So that's, that's a very good question. I think it's the first time we hear about that. Um, so I think we would start from the beginning where before Banks and Ranks, there used to be a gigantic archive of research and development and, and, and trial and error where we would oh, try oh. crazy ideas, the, the shittiest ideas, part of my French. And then that would lead to where we met each other and we were at a certain level where it started to make a lot of sense yeah and we but we would still do a lot of beats and and make a hundred beats for a writing trip and then finally none of these songs would get cut because then we had to realize that the songs needed to uh be birthed in the studio and and start from scratch with songwriters in the studio and then when we started doing this it, it eventually really connected and we started to really have like serious cuts that way and um, so it's like a pyramid where now we're slowly but surely working on less material, but more. All, every song is very strategic and every song has a home already. Yeah, almost for all most of, of the time. But we still have like a back catalog, of course, like full of songs that uh, we have to offer. If someone wants a song tomorrow, uh, we can definitely like show some stuff. But yeah, most of the time now is when we get in the room touch wood but it's been really great for <laughs> for the past two years i'd say even a bit more but mm -hmm. almost everything's getting cut so it's uh yeah it's it's a blessing really what was the first cut i asked it because if i say what was your first hit i could look that up on the on the charts but sometimes the first song that was cut that made a difference didn't come out until after the other stuff we actually literally were talking about it right before this interview. Uh, funny story. So um, 
when we met our management in the UK uh, and Steve Gervier uh, back in 2014. Uh, so 2015, he sent a backing track over. He had like three backing tracks of us. Um, and one of them, so he sent it to Tayo Cruz and he wrote a track called Kiss Me to it. And it ended up being cut by Olimers in the UK. And that was our first real cut ever as pop producers as Banks and Rings 2015. And it was a huge success in the UK. Mm-hmm. And so that was pretty much the first first one for us. Huh? Yeah, it, it allowed us to get a nice publishing deal and to kind of be able to up. breathe financially and be able to travel all the time. And it started the journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It started the yeah. journey. That actually leads me to a, a follow up question with mentioning that Ali Murs cut the song. Sometimes the song that's the hit in the U.S doesn't come out elsewhere as the single. Sometimes it's the number one single everywhere but the US. Sometimes yeah. the artists have different hits. Have you had that happen where this song is like a number one re- record-breaking thing in the Caribbean and or Canada, and then the US people go, huh? And then vice versa? Yeah, often actually. Kiss and uh, answer the phone. Answer the phone, yeah. We had a big record back in 2018 in the UK. It was like number f- top five in the UK and all across Europe. I think it charted a little bit in the Billboard dance charts in the US, but um, not the Hot 100 or even right now what we're having with Rev and Preston Pablo or even in France uh, with Dad Judy this year or Sia. We had like some platinum records there in France with Sia and, uh, and Dad Ju and other artists, uh, even the C.R. Sean Paul track as well, mm-hmm. I think now is mm-hmm. close to that now there. Just, just to say that those records are like really big in different countries, but don't connect to the U.S. Uh, the U.S. is a really particular market. Um, yeah. Unpredictable. But yeah, would love to get in there. <laughs> and we've seen you have hits over and over and over again with Sean Paul. What is it that connects you guys with Sean Paul? In other words, Yes, he has to make an album. He needs music. That's great. But is there a, no, we like the same basketball team or something like that (laughs) on a personal level that he goes, I want these guys. Yeah, it's really, Sean Paul's a special, special breed because it's really like this loyalty relationship that we have like with longevity. And it started off with one of our friends named Richie Flores. Uh, He manages two DJ producers in Jamaica named Mm -hmm. Chim Records. And then, and that was around the, the beginning. And where um, right after all immersed, kiss me. Yeah. We really wanted to work with Sean Paul. And then Richie came in. He's like, okay, guys, I got a track uh, for you to try um, called Crick Neck. A Sean Paul track, yeah. And they ended up, so we worked on it. They ended up being his first single with his signature island at the uh, time. Yeah. And uh, since that, then they contacted us to actually Sean Paul's brother that's really involved in his career as an exec. Mm-hmm producer as well contacted us like to work on another record which was mad love for david getta and becky g and sean paul mm-hmm. uh, originally it was shakira on the record then mm-hmm. flipped for becky g uh, for whatever oh, reason i didn't know that okay we were actually worked on the shakira version uh for actually two years so we are going back and forth with other producers yeah, like man. around the world like one what's called first class in trinidad the other one like david getta obviously and like, a bunch of people mm-hmm. and and, and jigzag uh, as well um i'm not too sure on this one anyways but uh so and we've been in touch with them and sean paul visited to montreal at some point for a concert and we linked and since that day then we went to jamaica came back to montreal uh we see each other like wherever we are and uh we keep on working together really like closely and uh yeah he's 
really a loyal person as we are. And uh, it's been a beautiful journey with Sean. Oh, yeah. Well, down to the Actually, left. Well, Sean Paul's with my dad lately. Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't know if you can say that on TV, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's legal in the U.S. And, uh, <laughs> it it is have, in some of the states. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the last two things I wanted to ask you about is uh, first thing is when you have an artist who has a, as many hits as you guys have written and or produced and or performed, it's a lot different than a lot of artists who go, I'm going to be on stage for 45 to 60 minutes. Okay, I've got three hits, so I have to space them out. I'll open up with one, I'll do a couple new songs, and I'll space them out, and then the encore, the last song is that. In your case, you could do 90 minutes to 120 minutes yeah. of actually hits. Do you think that we'll see a full-scale tour, you know, you guys featuring blank, the way that David Foster does something like that? That's really great that you asked the question because right now we're starting this live performance journey and we have this concept called the Banks and Ranks sound system where it's not just us. We're including our artists like Rev and Preston Pablo, um, other, the DJs, other yeah, DJs, MCs, uh, MCs uh, dancers as well. Hmm. And more like a party kind of vibe. Yeah. And, uh, so anything can happen really at this point because... Um, there's a sound system sometimes just going to be us too it really depends but like we, we're coming with this formula where you're like okay we're going to see banks and rings live what are we going to hear well probably some of your favorite hits but with our twist on it so yeah <laughs> so it's going to happen okay awesome yeah but the, i mean the the dream would be to have a world tour where there's like different shows going on at the same time with like famous local djs let's say and uh vietnam like the biggest dj in vietnam does a show a banks and ranks show uh featuring our songs and he could do like his own remixes or mashups and that would be really dope hmm. wow yeah that's, that's, a long, that's a long-term vision yeah, 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 there's yeah. no shortage of ideas with you too that's what i'm learning the creativity is uh, not we're like, kids. we're like kids every day we're like always like pushing the boundaries and we're like so excited you know it's like yeah to learn and just like create stuff and this is what keeps the thing like interesting and i think time. we're just we're just really happy doing what we do and i'm grateful and humble and yeah <laughs> well the last thing i want to know before i let you go what's life like outside of music what do you do and where does the inspiration come from does it is it sports is it movies is it just going away to quiet places for both of you what do you like to do for fun Personally, for me, it's, um, well, I do a lot of music, even my, my time off, it's, it's, it's a problem, but <laughs> therapy, therapy at the same time as my job, but uh, I love to travel for sure. I'm an island boy, so as much as I can, I go back to the islands in the Caribbean. This is where I feel free, uh, you know, be in the water, swim, see turtles, surf, um, and be with my friends and just celebrate life, basically. <laughs> we have two very different lifestyles. You know, Yannick does the the, the single life in uh, downtown in the big condo with the view. And I live uh, like an hour away in the forest and the farms and uh, have three kids and very different lifestyles. But then we meet in the middle, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Complimentary lifestyles. Well, it sounds like the sky's the limit with you two based on that. Vietnam oriented tour idea. <laughs> so I look forward to what's to come from you in the near future, the next single, the next collab, whatever it is. Keep up the great work, both of you. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Derek.
Outrocast. Nathan, good morning. Well, is it good morning where you are right now? It is good morning. <laughs> okay, good morning. Where are you dialing in from? Uh, I'm in Connecticut right now, uh, New Haven. Nice. Beautiful New Haven, Connecticut. And we were connected by the wonderful folks at Invisalign. When did you start working with them? It's a pretty new partnership, actually, um, but really excited to start the partnership and uh, really started, really excited to start the Invisalign treatment. And did you know much about Invisalign before agreeing to work with them? Yeah, absolutely. So actually, most of my family has done Invisalign already, um, and they've all said amazing things about it. Um, and, you know, it's hard to it's hard to beat the, the most advanced clear liner system. So, uh, you know, as soon as as soon as the partnership came about, it was really excited to start working with them and um, really excited to start treatment. When I was a kid, I had clear brackets, so I didn't get the full Invisalign treatment. So tell me a little bit about it so I can learn from the sake of the future. It's low on pain, no one sees it? More or less, yeah, that's, that's exactly that's exactly right. Uh, I never really wanted braces as a kid. Um, and actually, well, braces were pretty expensive for us. As, uh, I have two brothers and two sisters, so braces were kind of out of line for, for our family. Um, but now that I have this opportunity, to get uh, clear liners it's um it's it's a huge it's an awesome opportunity um and definitely can use some work on my teeth so i'm really excited to build my confidence with invisalign aligners so speaking of that family i've read that you grew up in utah how how much of your life did you spend around salt lake city i grew up in salt lake city i i was born there in 99 and uh, lived there for about 12 years or so um and yeah, it was a really awesome place. My parents are still out in Utah. I really enjoy being out there and uh, still consider it home. I got to go <laughs> back to Utah about a month ago. I've been to Park City a few times to cover it for media stuff. Is that a place that you had the chance to spend any time growing up? Uh, limited time. There's not a huge figure skating uh, operation. I guess actually now there's a pretty there's a pretty solid rink in Park City. But at the time when I was training, I spent most of my time in Salt Lake City where the uh, 2002 Olympics were held or the uh, figure skating practice venue for the 2002 Olympics were in Salt Lake City, proper close to U the University of Utah, and that's where I trained and spent most of my time. Cool. So looking at your career, this is not your first partnership with a high-level brand. It's not your last partnership, hopefully, with a high-level brand. But when I was a kid, uh, second time that I'm mentioning being a kid, because believe it or not, I was a kid <laughs> at one point in time, the figure skaters that won medals that were famous, you only really saw them that every four years there's a Winter Olympics. And now looking at you, you're on TV all the time. You're in high profile stuff. We're seeing you on tour, et cetera. Where you're at now, mm -hmm. did you dream that you'd be at this place? I think truthfully, as, as a young figure skater, my dream was always just to like continue getting better and continue trying to go to the next competition and the next competition. Um, I never really went in with the intent of being like, oh, I want to, you know, be able to do this or that with, with, uh, with, from my skating. It's always just what's directly related to my skating. Mm -hmm. um, but it's been really exciting. It's been a really amazing adventure. I never really thought I'd make it this far in skating in itself. And I never thought I'd make it this far outside of skating as well. Um, but I'm really happy with with everything that I've accomplished. And it's all, you know, thanks again, going back to Salt Lake City, my roots and my team, my family, my family and all the people that have uh, helped me get to where I am in skating. I'd have to imagine it was a real being thrown into the fire learning thing to learn how to do interviews and media stuff and take photos and sign autographs and all that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's still uh, still not my, the, my greatest comfort zone. Um, being on the ice is definitely where I'm most confident, but um, yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely learning, learning my way. <laughs> 
when you ask particular professional athletes, hey, how long are you going to do this to? It's a different age thing depending on the sport. Like if you're talking to an NFL player and they're planning on being on the field past the age of 40, you go, are you crazy? Maybe even 35 is old for the NFL. For figure skating, is that something that you could do into your 50s, 60s, 70s if you're in great shape? Definitely not. You know, I think it's just because it's such a um, it's skill-based and performance-based sport that um, once you get past a certain age threshold, it becomes a lot more challenging to, to maintain the skills and uh, the abilities that you've had. So I think that, that the age threshold is pretty wide, um, but definitely, you know, into the 30s, it's like, okay, it's kind of, you're kind of getting close. The last question I have for you before I let you go is some athletes, the music that they're listening to means everything in the world and it's what gets them going. In your case, when you have control of the radio or the speakers, whatever it is, what do you choose to listen to? Good question. Um, my music taste is pretty diverse. Um, and especially when it comes to skating, you know, I'm like pretty open to skating to anything. Um, kind of that's a conversation with my choreographer and what, we, what we're trying to portray that season. Um, but when it doesn't come to particularly like performing, um, I'm a huge fan of indie music, um, but I also like hip hop. I also like pop. Um, I like um, sort of like remix songs, stuff like that. Uh, there's a lot of, I'm, I'm honestly very open to all styles of music. So nothing super in particular. <laughs> well, Nathan, looking forward to whatever is coming next for you. Hope to see you live on tour here in Long Island, New York in the near future as well. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Fast, Frank, such a pleasure to be speaking with both of you as a longtime fan of the fun-loving criminals and the Roosevelt Sessions. How long did it take to record the CP? Well, it was pretty fast. To be yeah, we were always writing music, and uh, we had some songs. We were going through some ideas, general just groove ideas, and one thing led to another. We were up in Leicester. I think through the course of uh, two sessions that were about three, four hours, the EP was finished. I mean, we really put it out at a fast pace because we've been waiting a long time to be able to just release new music. Word is that there's a full-length album coming in 2023. This is not the only stuff that we fans get. Well, we're, <laughs> we're debating that whether or not we want to carry on down with putting our EPs out, doing like a collection of EPs because how fast the world turns now and people's attention span. Um, I mean, we have always been an album band. But yeah. We didn't know whether or not just to change it up. So we have, you know, different kind of vibes coming from different EPs. So the, the one that we just put out is very much on our lounge jazz tip vibe. And the next one will probably be more of a party vibe with the Latino beats, etc. And then the next EP will be, you know, maybe a little bit more on a rock tip. I just thought it might be more interesting for the fans rather than one 13, 14, you know, album that no, no one's going to fully give their attention span to in one hit. You know what I mean? I don't know. We just, yeah. we're just I but we just, I think a lot of it, what we, what we got bored of with the past few records, um, Darren, was we spent so long making it that it never really had an idea or anything around it. It just felt like this is an album we've been making for a long time and there was never really a clear cut, you know, concept or anything kind of meaning to it. Where with these EPs, we kind of go through a vast vault of beats that we have compiled for the past 10 years mm -hmm. and go, wow, well, these four or five will actually sound really good together. And, you know, thus releasing EPs, we can do it faster and we can kind of have a, a more kind of 
these songs are all written in a short period, so they kind of have like, I don't know, they just mean more, I guess. The fans that are be going to be coming to these upcoming US dates, what should they be expecting songwriting set list wise? Is it a mix of stuff from over the years or more focused on the older stuff? No, it's definitely a, a, a nice mix, but we are going to be featuring stuff from Confined Yourself heavily and then all through right up to, you know, possibly playing one or two off the new Roosevelt EP as well. So I'd like to think there's a full on selection. There's a bit of everything. And especially, I mean, I think for the American fans that knew all our albums, you know, that's, um, I think they're going to really enjoy the set list. Outrocast.